You're listening to the Assembly Call IU Podcast and Post Game Show, the place where Indiana fans across the globe hang out online after every IU basketball game. Activate your free Assembly Call membership today at assemblycall.com slash join. That's assemblycall.com slash join. That is how you're a champion. It really is. And now, get ready for another brand new edition of the Assembly Call. And welcome, Hoosier fans, to another disappointed episode of the Assembly Call. As tonight, your Indiana Hoosiers fall to the Northwestern Wildcats 68-55. to This was a game that featured very little in the way of offensive competence for the Hoosiers. Uh, They did jump out to a 10-1 lead, and for at least, you know, two or three glorious minutes, uh, it looked like it might be a a nice, surprising night for the Hoosiers. They might steal a win at Northwestern, but Northwestern quickly adjusted, got themselves in order, uh, put the clamps down on Indiana, and from there, it was really a clinic uh, in one team playing you know pretty smart basketball doing what it wanted uh on both ends and another team you know that that just didn't look like it it really understood what it wanted to do uh and obviously facing some personnel losses that made that difficult to overcome and we are going to break it all down for you tonight on this episode of the assembly call i'm your host jared morris i will be joined this evening by andy bottoms ryan phillips and michael dugan will be here our student intern uh, hopping in to uh, to join us and provide some perspective as well. Uh, let's start out tonight's show as we start out every show, and that is with our Hoosier Proud banner moment. Uh, and clearly the player of the game for Indiana was Thomas Bryant. Thomas finished with 23 points and 12 rebounds, uh, was really the only thing that Indiana had going for it tonight. And, and I thought there were two plays in particular that really stood out to me for Thomas. One came in the first half. Uh, it was late in the first half when Indiana, Indiana was you know, down 10, 12 points. Uh, a great rebound by Freddie McSwain that uh, he, he got the ball out to Josh Newkirk. Josh Newkirk did a great job of pushing the break. And Thomas Bryant you know, took out a season's worth of frustrations with a powerful jam on the break. And again, you know, when we see that, that is really Thomas Bryant doing one of the things he does best, which is running the floor hard and finishing on the break. And unfortunately, we just haven't seen enough of that this year. Indiana, because they haven't forced very many turnovers and because they don't have guys as great at leading the break as they did last year, we haven't seen as much of that uh, this year. But that was great to see. And then in the second half, early on, you know, Thomas had a really ugly drive. He was dribbling around. It looked like he was going to get it stolen about three different times, but he got the ball to the block, made the shot, got fouled. It was an and one. And I just thought to myself, you know, that was ugly. And you probably don't want Thomas Bryant just pounding the ball, dribbling over and over again, but at least he was out there making a play. And if he's not going to do it, who else was going to do it? Because on this night, it had to be Robert Johnson. uh, And Robert was really unable to get into any sort of rhythm. And, And so on this night for Indiana, a night without very many bright spots, that the play of, of Thomas Bryant on the offensive end and on the glass uh, was the one bright spot for him. So those couple of moments are Hoosier Proud banner moment. Uh, and tonight's banner moment, uh, of course, as always, brought to you by our friends at Hoosier Proud, an Indiana-based brand by Hoosiers for Hoosiers. Connor and the team at Hoosier Proud offer a line of t-shirts and accessories that are unmatched for anyone who wants a unique, stylish way to display their own pride in being a Hoosier. Check them out at HoosierProud.com and use the promo code ASSEMBLY, A-S-S-E-M-B-L-Y, to receive a 15% discount on your entire order. That's promo code ASSEMBLY to receive 15% off at HoosierProud.com. All righty, well, let's make the extra pass, find the open man, and get some opening thoughts from the rest of our team. We start first with Andy Bottoms, his Bottoms line brought to us by Bracketology.fm. I mean, it it just was, uh, the effort certainly wasn't quite the level of the Michigan game, but I I tell you, injuries, while certainly are a factor in in some aspects of this game, uh, they aren't a factor on defense and and just being in a stance and being aware of uh, being on shooters, knowing how you're going to defend certain situations. They aren't a factor in guys standing in the same place on offense for 20 seconds of the 30 seconds on the shot clock and not cutting hard. Uh, they aren't a factor in a play in the second half when everybody just concedes a layup and Juwan Morgan is the only guy that goes after the ball. Everybody else stood and watched, just assumed that Northwestern was going to make the shot, didn't even try. Like Those things don't matter. They're not a factor in... I need to have a coach 21 games of the season hold up a sign with basketball fundamentals on it. And 
if there's anything that says where this team is, I think that's as telling as anything. I mean, it's absolutely absurd um, to be at that spot in, in the season and be holding up a sign that says call out screens. Um, my nine-year-old was sitting there and I was like, she's like, why are they holding up those signs? And I was like, well, this is call out screen. She's like, I know to do that. I was like, well, thanks for making me feel like a good parent. Um, but a fan of a basketball team who, who cannot, who needs those kinds of reminders just for basic hands out stuff like that. That was as disheartening to me as anything. And while it could have been the case of, you know, they're just out, man, they didn't know, they didn't have enough, probably would have been the case anyway. Um, but still, you know, kind of walk away from this game pretty frustrated um, because it was more than just the personnel tonight. It continues to be the same kinds of mistakes that uh, that dig a hole and turn it like turning the ball over seven straight possessions at one point in the first half. It, it, you just 21 games into the season. I, I just don't understand how those things are happening, how we're at this point. But uh, here we are. Here we are. And here we are ready for Ryan's rant brought to us by the big Ryan rant. You know what's what's really disappointing about this is that, I mean, you look at this team up and down the roster, and I think we'd all agree that these are good kids. We don't have really any bad apples on this team or guys that you're embarrassed to to watch or, or root for. Um, and you're just seeing the team collapse right now. And for long stretches of that game, that's what they were. They were a collapsed house of cards. I mean, they just it, it early on played well the first couple minutes really looked like they were energized invest you know invested in it and quite frankly the whole game they showed much more fight and heart than they did in the Michigan game I, I thought they played hard they just didn't have any direction this was a rudderless ship today and you feel like that's sort of a microcosm of the entire situation of the season right now is it's just rudderless you've lost three guys who were projected starters from the beginning of the year and it's time for these guys to step up, and nobody's really filling that void. Um, I thought Robert Johnson played an awful game today uh, in most respects. Um, I thought, <clears throat> try as they might, you know, I thought Devontae Green, his energy was great, and he was trying to be engaged defensively, but he's a freshman. He's going to make so many mistakes out there. Uh, it was his first career start, hopefully the first of many. I think he'll be a great player for Indiana, but he just, he was overwhelmed today. The atmosphere, everything. He made a lot of mistakes. Um, I thought, Curtis Jones, I think we're speculating he's got an injury because he did not play much after that first half, if at all. Um, Zach McRoberts is out there. I mean, you know, he and Freddie McSwain were trying to do what they could to lift the team, but what do you expect from them at this point? Uh, they're not going to lead you to glory. And so it's on guys like Thomas Bryant. Juwan Morgan, again, did not look like himself. I thought later in the game, he finally looked like he got warmed up and into the game and and a little more smooth. And then he had some horrendous foul calls against him, too, towards the end that just you could tell were just leaving him completely discouraged on both ends of the floor. Um, but it's on guys like Robert Johnson to, to step up and be a part, you know, be a leader. Use this as an opportunity. You know, I mean, you've got to turn these negatives, these injuries and these tough losses and everything into a positive. And somehow that's what leaders do. They find the positive and they move on and they make something happen. And uh, a guy like Robert Johnson, this is his opportunity. Own this team, take it over. Even if it's bad, even if you're not doing well, you know, rise up and become a leader because you're not going to the NBA this year. You're coming back next year. And, and, and so show that you can be a leader. Um, I don't care how the rest of the season finishes out. Quite frankly, I'd love for this team to go on a run and, and make the NCAA tournament, whatever. Right now, I just want them to survive, and I, and I want to see some positive stuff that they can build on as a program. Because right now, it, it's 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 in the tank, it's in the trash, and a guy like Johnson is is supposed to be a centerpiece of this program, and he needs to step up and start playing better and start acting like a leader on the floor. Josh Newkirk today, uh, also I want to mention one of eight from the field. 0 of 3 from 3, but you know what? That guy played his tail off. He did not get, there were at least five drives where he was fouled and did not get a call. He doesn't have a reputation. He was on the road. He didn't get any of those calls, and it was unfair to him that he didn't get those calls. The officiating did not change this game, but it was horrendous. I think everybody, I saw Northwestern fans online saying this is ridiculous. Um, so I think this was pretty much everybody agreed to that, but I'll give, I'll give Josh Newkirk credit. He was playing his tail off and trying to do something, trying to energize the team. He dished out seven assists, only had one turnover. You know, that was leadership. That was a guy trying to show some leadership. Uh, Robert Johnson needs to get on that level. I thought Thomas Bryant as well today did what he was supposed to do, got his butt in the paint and started working. And, and again, it's an awful loss today. You feel terrible. You're trying to grab some things to build on. Thomas Bryant, 
Josh Newkirk's energy. Now you got to get Robert Johnson playing like a star because he's got to be a star. We're missing two stars now and three starters. So, uh, you know, I'm sorry to rant so long for the people listening, but uh, this 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 season, if it's not going to turn around, you need to at least find some positives, and the positives need to be leadership because that's what this team has missed all year long. I mean, something needs to change, or these shows are just going to turn into 60-minute rants for the rest of the season. I mean, so. I'd be fine with that because I'd feel better, but nobody else wants that. No, no, we don't. All right, let's go over to Michael Dugan, uh, who did a great job hosting the Illinois show for us in his second year as a student intern for us here on the Assembly Call. Knows both of these teams well. Uh, so he actually grew up a Northwestern fan. We're going to call you out for that here, Michael, which on a night like tonight, not not so bad. Uh, but I know your heart's with the Hoosiers now. Let's go with, uh, with Michael's minute. Uh, tell us what you thought of tonight's game. Yeah, I mean, my heart is with the Hoosiers, and it, there's a lot of frustration after this. I can't really sugarcoat anything. No one can really sugarcoat anything, especially after the last 80 minutes that they've played. Although I will say, Thomas Bryant, I guess I'll fill in for Will here just a little bit. Uh, Thomas Bryant today, or tonight rather, finished with 23 points and 12 rebounds. His last 20-point game was Illinois when you guys were in the house, and his last double-digit rebounding game was against Nebraska before, you know, back in 2016. So there's a bright spot there. Outside of that, I'm sure I'm not alone here, but I think the floor has completely been removed from underneath the Hoosiers' feet. I mean, they're almost in a, in a complete free fall. You know, after the last two games, to me at least, it seems like that no two guys are on the same page. It's not like, you know, the freshmen are lost and McRoberts is a little lost, but Brian and Johnson are on the same page. I, I think tonight Thomas Bryant was on a whole nother level. A, why, was he not, how, why has he not played like that all season? Because he was great. Um, and Ryan, like you said, Robert Johnson was, was slacking a little bit. He shot 30% and he had three turnovers and one assist. He should be a leader. You know, he's been around the program long enough. He should know the deal. He should know that it's absolutely now his turn, his turn to step up and be a leader here. But I just feel like all in all, no two guys are on the same page and it's really, really concerning. And there, there are very few things that they've shown, if any, in the past two, three games that they can, that they can get back on track. You know, starting with the next game, obviously there's a lot of basketball to be played. To be played, it's not yet February, but I mean there are very few things going right right now, and everybody seems to be not on the same page, which is not good at all. Uh, Indiana's ceiling. John Crispin mentioned Indiana's much hyped ceiling uh, during the second half of that broadcast. Can we just have a moment of silence for Indiana's ceiling? Remember, remember those days early in the year with Indiana ceiling. Those, those were much better days, much brighter days. Uh, coming up on the assembly call, we're going to give Andy Bottoms a chance to respond to the criticism being heaped upon Robert Johnson here early in the show. He is, of course, the president of the Robert Johnson fan club, and we will see if he has any defense uh, for Robert Johnson's underwhelming performance tonight. But first, I do want to take a quick minute and tell you about our other sponsor, SeatGeek. Buying tickets online for sports and concerts, as you know, has been a confusing process for a long time. It's always been hard to find the best deal for that game or show you want to go to, and none of those older ticket sites want to change that. But SeatGeek is different. They've come along and created an amazing app and website that makes it easier than ever for fans to buy and sell tickets, like Northwestern fans this year when they look for NCAA tournament tickets for the first time ever. SeatGeek is always the first place I go to look for tickets to a game or concert because everything about SeatGeek is designed to make life easier for sports and music fans. SeatGeek does the price comparison for you by searching multiple ticket sites and ensuring that you get the best possible deal. They do all the work and you save the time and money. Best of all, Assembly Call listeners get a $20 rebate off of your first SeatGeek purchase. Here's how you do it to get that rebate. Download the SeatGeek app, Android or iPhone, whichever one. Go to the settings tab and click add a promo code and enter the promo code assembly, A-S-S-E-M-B-L-Y. SeatGeek will send you $20 after you've made your first ticket purchase. Download the SeatGeek app and enter the promo code assembly today. You are listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms, Ryan Phillips, and Michael Dugan. We are breaking down Indiana's road loss to the Northwestern Wildcats. A disappointing loss on a number of levels. Obviously, we, we mentioned you know, before that Michigan game that Indiana really needed to get one of the two games, get a road win, keep some of the positive momentum going from the Michigan State win, which seems like eons ago, because basically, I mean, after that win, it's just everything bad has happened. And by the way, you know, when we told you enjoy that win, really savor that win, I hope you did, because, it, you know, based on the way things are going, that may be the high point for the rest of the season. So I hope you enjoyed that. 
you know, and when you looked at tonight for Indiana, the way that Indiana was going to win this game or compete in this game was if Robert Johnson and Thomas Bryant both played like the all Big Ten level players they can be. And Thomas Bryant did 23 points, 12 rebounds. He was really good. He wasn't perfect, but he was really good. Robert Johnson was never able to get in this game. He finishes with nine points, three boards, as Michael said. You know, I, I predicted on our radio show at least 15 points and five boards, and I kind of thought that wasn't really a bold prediction because he's been so consistent for Indiana. And so for him to have, I mean, he, he scored in double figures in every Big Ten game. I think he'd had at least 14 points in four of the last five. And so for him to really struggle tonight without James Blackman Jr., it just compounds it. Um, and, and obviously, Northwestern was defending him tough, not letting him get a lot of open looks. Indiana didn't do a lot to get him open looks, and he, in some respects, wasn't assertive enough. So let's go to the president of his fan club, Andy Bottoms. I mean, you know, Robert's taking some hits here on the show. Do you have some defense for him, or, or do you kind of see the same things everybody else has? Well, he did end up with 12, so he did get in double figures. He hit that three right, right at the end. But okay, uh, I, I mean... But but no, I mean it certainly wasn't wasn't one of his better games by any means. You know he was zero of seven on twos, and I think most of those were you know kind of long jumpers, uh, off balance. Really, you know, got fouled going to the basket once, but then never did it again. It didn't seem like, and um, there there were times when he had a couple possessions in a row. He made really nice passes, but it was very you know the good moments for him tonight were very fleeting, and uh, and just really couldn't get anything sustained. I think the early fouls made him a bit less aggressive uh, to a certain extent, but I just thought, yeah, it, some of his shot selection was not good. Chances to take the ball to the basket were there. And I also thought, you know, you saw IU run some of these these plays where they were really trying to dump the ball into Bryant uh, on the wing, and it was Newkirk who was feeding the entry pass. And, and so, or McRoberts tried to at one point. I mean, and the Northwestern guy is just, you know, five feet off of McRoberts daring him to shoot. They can't get the ball in there. So, I didn't think you did a very good job of, of adjusting and saying, hey, Johnson needs to be the guy with that entry pass. He's the only guy who's really going to be able to uh, keep them honest defensively. And I, and I also thought there were times when, you know, IU was trying to just not run clock necessarily, but like try to slow the game down just based on, you know, personnel and things like that. But again, it was a case where like I felt like he needed to go get the ball at the end of shot clock scenarios and really try to take charge. And, and he just didn't do it. Um, maybe that's something he's not comfortable with. I, I honestly don't know. Uh, but yeah, I definitely thought it was a, it, it felt like a really big opportunity for him to really be one of the focal points, uh, of the offense with Blackman out for however long he ends up being out. And I thought tonight he just, he just didn't do well enough figuring out how to, how to kind of impact the game offensively. Uh, and I think that's why you, you know, you saw shooting numbers that weren't very good, uh, turnover numbers that weren't very good and, and just the overall kind of blah game from him. Although, uh, he was far and away the, the second best scorer on the team. Nobody else besides he and Bryant had more than six. Yeah, and it's just it's a higher bar that, that he's being held to, obviously, because he's been around and he's, you know, the last junior standing now with, uh, uh, well, Josh Newkirk is a junior too, but guys who have been in the program for a while. And, and look, I mean, obviously we need to say, you know, you have no James Blackman Jr., you, so you're out your best offensive player. You have no Giannobi, so you're out your best defensive player. You're out Colin Hartman, and you have been all season, so you're out your only senior leader. And then add to that, Juwan Morgan isn't close to 100%. You can tell just watching him play. And Curtis Jones tweaked his ankle and was only able to play three minutes. So when he did get in there in the first half, wasn't very good. And I don't know if that was because of the injury or just a freshman not being ready to play on the road. Who knows? But he didn't play anymore. And we know he had the injury, so I'm going to chalk it up to that. You know, so a lot going wrong for Indiana. Still, I think we're all in agreement that it felt like Indiana should have been able to do more tonight. Like it, this just felt. I think Ryan you used the term rudderless, and it feels like it. It just doesn't feel like it should be quite that bad. That it should look as bad as it does, and I think that's where the frustration comes from. Ryan, I want to talk about Deron Davis because I feel like. Every game, you know, he does a couple of things. He had that great move in the second half, and John Crispin's going crazy about him. And and we see him make these moves. And then, you know, he went down on the other end of the floor, had a nice steal because he was being active defensively. And I thought in the first half, you know, you watch him play defense, he was active, he was low, he was communicating. Like I thought he was one of the guys who consistently, for the time he was out there, was really hustling and doing good things, seemed to be in the right spot. And I feel like we noticed this with him in games, but then you come and you look at the box score and he only plays 16 minutes. You know, he only gets five shots, has six points, a couple of rebounds, you know, did have a couple of blocks. And so it seems to me, it seems like he's always showing these flashes 
And yet I feel that he's underutilized, that he's not playing maybe more minutes than he could be, that Indiana's not finding a way to get him the ball on the block more because it se he seems like one of our strengths that we very rarely play to. And I get that it's awkward sometimes with he and Thomas out there together, but I can't help but think that there are better ways to utilize his talents that we are, especially given how shorthanded we are. Is that fair or no? Well, I think that it it showed up tonight that it's really hard to have both Thomas Bryant and Deron Davis on the floor at the same time defensively unless you're going to run a zone. Uh, you saw Deron get beat on the drive a few times because he had to go out on the perimeter. Other teams notice that. They're not stupid. They see that, you know, he's kind of a slower guy. He's a bigger, I mean, you know, he's active defensively, as you said, but he's also 6'10", 240 pounds. He's not a perimeter defender. And I think that they, Northwestern was smart enough to, get some screens going, utilize it and, and, you know, put him in a situation where, you know, he was one-on-one -on -one with a guy who could drive by him and they did several times. Um, I, I think Duran should be playing more. I'd like to see him play more, but Indiana's got to figure out a way to protect him on the defensive end because he's not going to be a guy who can, who can, you know, help you out in that way. And now that you're missing OG Ananobi, yeah, you're losing that length and size, uh, on the perimeter, you know, defending a guy, who, you know, and a guy who can go inside and outside. And if Morgan's hurt too, you're, you're losing that. So you want some more size, you want some more length, you want some more rebounding uh, and a guy who can do some things on both ends of the floor. But again, it, it, it creates an awkward matchup almost every time. And then on offense, you're forced to put Thomas Bryan out of the perimeter when Deron Davis is in there. Cause Deron's not a, a perimeter guy. I mean, you can put him at the high post and do some stuff and they've done that before and, and actually been pretty successful with it but you're missing something defensively when you put him in there and have Thomas Bryant on at the same time. No, I'm not saying eventually that can't work, but he's also a freshman who is not used to doing that and probably didn't guard on the perimeter at all in high school. So you're looking at a situation where you're putting a hole defensively out there if you have him on the floor. So I think that they can do it and he can play more, but now that they're shorthanded, there are fewer lineups you're going to have where Thomas Bryant isn't on the floor now with OG Ananobi out, with with uh, you know Colin Hartman out. Your front court is much thinner, and you're going to have to have Thomas Bryant. He played Thomas Bryant played 36 minutes tonight. Uh, you know he's he's going to be out there almost that much for the rest of the season, so it's hard to slide Deron Davis in and be able to hide him defensively. Yeah, Michael, your thoughts on this? Yeah, I just have one quick thing to add. Outs if you take Thomas Bryant out of the equation statistically, Indiana was 10 for 40 from the field. So first of all, that's terrible. Secondly, taking Thomas Bryant out of that equation suggests that the majority of those are going to be were or the majority of those taken were jump shots. And I don't think that especially in a matchup against Northwestern where Derek Pardon, their big man, uh is he stands at just 6-8 and he he essentially, you know, he he didn't really own the paint tonight. He didn't score a point. Uh, but he did bully Duran Davis a little bit and Thomas Brown. He pushed him around a little bit, but he didn't exactly stand out. But I mean, in a game like this, just going in, if you've got a, an opposing center that's six eight, and Duran Davis, who's seemingly been able to back down almost every center that's come across him this year, you would think that, especially now that they're short-handed, Tom Crean and the Hoosiers would want to go down to him a little bit more and isolate him and kind of let him go to work. I'm not saying every possession, but I feel like we never really saw that. It's certainly not to the frequency that I would have liked to see, especially given how shorthanded they were and especially how cold they were shooting. Andy? Yeah, I mean, the one thing Ryan brought up, I, I think is correct in the sense that that defensively, it's a huge struggle with them out there. The other part of the thing that I would add to that, though, is the way they continue to handle some of these ball screens where they they switched a bunch tonight. And, and I'm not sure there was one time that McIntosh didn't get Bryant or Davis switched onto him that he didn't score. And at some point, I like you're just setting these guys up, putting them in a position where they're not going to be able to succeed uh, to do that. And the flip side of that is, you know, again, it's a sometimes they switch, sometimes they hedge, but there's no consistency to what they're doing. And there were a couple of times where it seemed like the guy defending McIntosh assumed that they were going to go back on him. And then Davis just stuck with him. Um, and so I think, again, it's, you, you just see some of these defensive things where like you have to have these figured out at this point. You, you cannot keep switching your big guys onto them. You have to figure out something to do differently. And, you know, there was another time where though they tried to recover and, and Freddie McSwain didn't rotate back and they gave up a dunk. So, you know, I'm not sure what the, the right answer is, but to continue to treat those ball screens the way that they did um, really highlighted those guys defensive as defensive liabilities in those scenarios, as opposed to can you do something else to put them in a better position to succeed? And I thought that kind of exaggerated their their struggles to have those guys on the floor defensively. 
Brent McIntosh would have looked good in an Indiana uniform tonight. That's for sure. Um, yeah. So, you know, I, I mean, there, there's a lot, obviously, that we can break down from this game. But, but I feel like this is the time for a little bit of a bigger picture talk here. I mean, you know, where does Indiana go from here? Obviously, after you win that game against Michigan State, you know, you've won four out of five. You're starting to think, hey, we can get back in this thing. Now you've lost two in a row. James Blackman Jr. is out for an indefinite period of time. Fortunately, at least from some of the tweets we've seen from quotes from his dad, it doesn't sound like he's going to be out for the whole season. So at some point, maybe you get him back. And obviously, if you have him tonight, you that you would expect that would make a pretty big difference offensively and that this is a much closer game. But but what are we doing now for the rest of the season? I mean, are we still legitimately playing for an NCAA tournament spot? I mean, there's still a lot of games left. Uh, obviously, Indiana could win these games and, and make a run. But after these the, the last 80 minutes of basketball, that feels less and less like a realistic possibility. Are we starting to look toward the future? Like, what, number one, how should the team and the coaches be viewing this? And number two, how do we kind of view this as fans to keep our sanity and watch games with the proper context so that, you know, we don't just feel like every 40 minutes is a failure if, you know, it's a loss like tonight's loss was on the road against a better, more experienced team, which is clearly what it was, you know, warts and all. Ryan, I mean, I mean, how do you how would you view this as the coaches and how are you looking at this as the fans now? I mean, I'm not I'm not really sure how to answer that question. I it's I don't know. This team just needs something. I don't I don't know who or what it needs or what needs to change. It just needs something. And I don't know if it's, you know, I don't even know, man. I, I really don't. I mean, I don't know how to answer that question. I just think that it this that we all need something different right now. It's just it you know But, but is that the problem? I mean, the the no answers. Like it feels like the team has no answers right now. Like that that feels that, like no, the big I, issue. I, and I think that I think that that's the problem. It is. It's it's that it's you can't say like, well, it's the defense. Well, it's the offense. It's everything. I mean, it's everything. It's a coaching. It's, you know, uh, the the lack of uh, just internal leadership. I don't know, man. I it's 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 a ridiculous situation because of how much promise this team had. And and I get the disappointment from everybody. Um, but yeah, you lose three out of five starters. This is the kind of thing you're going to go for, um, you know, through the middle of the season. But yeah, I mean, Andy wants to talk about this. I, I I think he's got a better he he can if he has an answer, it's better than what I can do. I just don't know. I mean, it's it's really I'm at a loss tonight. I really am. I just uh, for every aspect of this. I think a lot of us feel that way though. That's that's the frustration right now. Yeah, I mean, I think from an NCAA tournament perspective, um, certainly given the resumes of other teams that are out there, I I don't. That's not out of the question at this point. I think a loss to Penn State at home this week, followed by games against Wisconsin and Purdue, going to own three in those games, then we're probably having a different conversation. Um, but you can, you know, again, in the same way that the committee is going to take into account the fact that Ananobi, you know, isn't, you know, is no longer, you know, kind of part of the, you know, the, the active roster for this year going forward, they'll also consider, hey, James Blackman Jr. wasn't around for this game. So, like, that part of it is you've still got something to play for. Uh, and I think that that in some ways actually makes it more challenging. You're, you're not truly in a let's let the young guys play and see what happens type scenario of, hey, we might as well get them some experience where had you not won the games that you won earlier in the season and you're you know, sitting in a, in a poor spot in the Big Ten, I think you can then start making the argument of, hey, let's see more Devontae Green, let's see more Curtis Jones. Reality is now you're going to see more of those guys because you can't find anybody else who's actually healthy to play. Um, and so I think you can't you can't quite take it you know, kind of to the extreme and say, Hey, let's, let's really look forward to the future. I think from a fan's perspective, you know, the challenge for me is, you know, going into the game tonight, I don't know that I really had, I mean, I said this for the game. I mean, I have no idea what to really expect. And I think the frustrating part was that it, it wasn't the loss. It was kind of the way that it happened where it just kind of unraveled in the first half after, after a somewhat surprisingly good start, unraveled, turned the ball over, got back into the same habits that, again, have nothing to do with the injuries. It, it just doesn't. I mean, we threw the ball off guys' faces on multiple occasions in the same game. Um, that has nothing to do with injuries. That might cause additional injuries, but that is not has nothing to do with injuries. And uh, so that I think that is the part that I think fans continue to be frustrated with. Uh, and then obviously that's taken you know, that, that just gets taken to the extreme of everything is, oh, well, we need to fire, you know, fire the coaching staff and da 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 
I get it. There's frustration there. I'm frustrated by by all of it. I'm frustrated by the signs. I'm frustrated by the inbounds play of just lobbing the ball toward half court. I'm frustrated by getting beaten on, you know, baseline out of bounds plays incessantly. Like I get it. There's reason to be frustrated from a fan's perspective. I guess I just look for more of do you start to see some of these mistakes go away? Do you start to see some of, of that improvement? And tonight, while I thought the effort was better compared to the Michigan game, as Ryan said, I don't know that th- that didn't lead to making fewer of the same mistakes that we've seen over the course of the season. And I think that, you know, kind of in in tandem with really still having an NCAA bid to play for puts everybody in a really tough spot of of really where to go forward with the guys who are actually healthy on this roster. Yeah, and the bar was set pretty low in that Michigan game. So just saying that the uh, that the competitive spirit was better tonight isn't the greatest of compliments, but it was better. It was yeah, there. I mean, yeah, no one literally crawled under the bench and, you know, just didn't go out there. But uh, yeah, otherwise, yeah, the, the bar was incredibly low after that. But nice to see some guys respond. But uh, I, yeah, I just I just don't really uh, I, I'm, yeah, I don't know that those are answers either uh, any yeah, better than what we gave before. Effort was not the problem. To know it wasn't. I mean, you know, that was well, the guys played hard. I mean, they. No, I mean, at Michigan, it was nobody looked like they wanted to be there, and um, you know, maybe that was the letdown of the intensity from the Michigan State game. I don't know. I mean, I'm sure that contributed to it. Um, but no, tonight was the guys came out and they they wanted to play and they were you know engaged and aggressive. And I'm sure that was preached all you know since the Michigan game, but you know, it was just they were just lost on both ends of the floor at times. I thought defensively, they were actually less lost than they were offensively. I thought Northwestern just made better plays. Uh, offensively, they were completely lost, and they didn't know where to go, didn't know what to do, and uh, only a few guys picked it up. So, uh, again, it's a situation with this team where they don't know who they are or where they're going right now, and, and that needs to change, and something needs to change. I don't know what it is. If it's, is. I'm sure coaching has a lot to do with it, uh, but I, I still think internally there needs to be some leadership and accountability. It, the the headline of this episode may just end up being, I don't know, because <laughs> that's, that's what it feels like. That that's, that's, that's where a lot of us are. You know, and, and one of the issues when you have a team with such high expectations and that starts out so well and sets the bar so high at the beginning of the year and then you know starts playing poorly and then guys get injured and then the the playing poorly compounds is you can start to see apathy you know in in sometimes apathy is the best case scenario sometimes you know fans actively turning on a team which we certainly hope doesn't happen and i want to michael i want to ask you a question when we come back here in just a second i want to ask you a question about that from the student perspective because i think this team now is going to need the students and need the fans at home as crazy and passionate as ever and I want to ask you kind of about the feeling that, that you get and that, that you feel that we'll see. Uh, that's coming up on the assembly call. First, I do want to, want to tell you all real quick, and I mentioned this on our last show, about our fundraising drive. Uh, we started it last week. It runs through this upcoming Friday, so it's still ongoing. And our goal for the entire eight-day period was to raise $2,613 in honor of the number of points Calvert Cheney scored in his Big Ten career. Uh, and that's the amount of money that will help us you know, get through the, the rest of this season and then into the offseason, just supporting and doing all the things that we do with the show. And what's crazy is we hit that goal within the first 24 hours. So again, just a huge, grateful thank you to all of you uh, who helped support us during this drive. Uh, and if you still want to contribute and support the show, uh, all we were asking and all we're still asking is for you to contribute what you believe our content and our show uh, and our emails are worth. Um, we've had donations as small as $3. We've had donations as big as $300. Um, you can submit a one-time donation or set up a recurring donation uh, to become an ongoing sponsor, uh, whichever of those options you want. To view all of the options, go to assemblycall.com donate. Again, to see all of the donation options, go to assemblycall.com slash donate. And thank you, thank you, thank you to everybody who has supported us thus far. All right, you are listening to The Assembly Call. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips breaking down Indiana's 13-point loss to the Northwestern Wildcats. Michael, what's the sense that you get on campus right now? You know, obviously the students, the fans showed up in full force in that Michigan State game. Do you feel like with some of the injuries, this is a team that the students and everybody can rally around? Do you sense or predict maybe some apathy starting to set in if we start to see more losses like this Northwestern game? What do you think? Well, I just want to say that the atmosphere for that Michigan State game was sensational. And people showed out. I think that might have been because it was, you know, it was Michigan State. It was Tom Izzo. And Coach Crean said after OG went down in Happy Valley, you know, we're going to need everybody. We're going to need the students out in full force. 
And, you know, we want to have, you know, that Crimson Guard ready and we want to play behind them and we want that arena to be going crazy. And it was much to, you know, the students and all the fans credit. Now, on the other hand, if you're going to ask them after these past two games, that drubbing in Ann Arbor and then this game in Evanston, if you are really going to try and ask, come out and ask the students to show up and go crazy against Penn State, I think they're going to be less motivated to do so. Um, and then after that, they go on the road against Wisconsin. Purdue will be a good turnout. And then their final two games at home are, are Michigan and Northwestern. And after that Michigan game, I mean, I don't think I've heard anyone on campus say a word about this basketball team. I mean, it's almost like it's just this big elephant in the room of, of how disappointing they've been, and no one even wants to address it. Uh, I hope that changes. Uh, at the Michigan State game, that certainly wasn't the case. It had a great, great feel and a great environment. But, I mean, the past seven days, you know, really after that, it hasn't, there hasn't really been much chatter at all. I mean, I've been, I've been fishing for, for conversations with it because no one's talking about it. And, you know, it does kind of feel like that, that Tom Green and everybody is kind of losing a little bit of, of that passion from the students. I mean, just because of these past couple games and, and other struggles that they've had. But, um, I mean, I haven't had a conversation in the past week with another student that, you know, wasn't, didn't have a, much positivity on their end. Yeah. I mean, which, which is understandable, but disappointing, you know, and look, as we have this conversation about, you know, from a fan perspective, how do you start to view these games? You know, the answer is never apathy. Like I had someone ask me on Twitter, have you ever turned off a game because this is brutal to watch? And my answer was simply no. Uh, you know, I think maybe, you know, and again, you never readjust standards. It's not like, okay, well we readjust what's now acceptable, but you do have to kind of readjust the context and, and understand at a micro level for this game or these sets of games coming up, what can we reasonably expect? At the end of the season, you always step back and take a macro look and say, you know, was this in the big picture what we want from Indiana basketball? And we'll do that at the end of the season. But, you know, with all the injuries and everything that's happened, it does kind of change the equation for some of these upcoming games. Um, you know, and, and Andy, one of the issues you just mentioned this stat in our chat you know, is what, what is Indiana going to be able to count on now? You know, especially if Blackman's out for, for an extended period of time. I mean, Indiana uh, on the season has been a really good two-point field goal shooting team. And tonight they were, what, nine for 32? I mean, you know, offensively tonight it was just, it was terrible. And you wonder, now look, Northwestern's good on offense or on defense. But what can Indiana do to get something going offensively without Blackman? Because it's got to be more than what happened tonight. Well, I think you're going to see more people continue to do what they did, you know, tonight where they really sloughed off of everybody except Robert Johnson and, and basically dared anybody else to shoot. I mean, Newkirk had a ton of open threes uh, and he missed every one of them. Uh, and, and I thought, I, I did think he played well. I made the mistake of throwing out on Twitter that I thought he played pretty good in the first half. That was not, uh, that Thanks. was not, that was not met with a lot of, uh, a lot yeah. of uh, agreement from, from the fan base. Um, so yeah, yeah, he apparently is the next, uh, Jared, if you can get in on on this with me, he could be like the next uh, Stan Robinson, where we can die on that hill together again. Yeah. Um, but I thought, yeah, but the thing know, is, okay, but but people are saying that now. Where else is Tom Crean going to go? Well, I mean, yeah, that, that's what I thought. You know? Yeah, well, that's what I thought. I mean, I thought I thought Devonte Green again from a defensive effort standpoint was good, but he seemed very uncertain when he was going to. At some points, very uncertain if he was going to shoot. A couple others took really quick four shots. Um, Curtis Jones, I thought in the brief period he was in, didn't you know didn't play great either but it, again it seemed like an injury there and yeah i mean what else who else are you going to go with from a a guard perspective but i, I so i think you're going to see teams continue to do that with you know uh, other than other than robert johnson and i think what i you they, they just weren't cutting hard without the ball so you can try to make up for some of those things if you are are difficult to guard even if you're robert johnson the guy that they're really uh, you know, counting on one of the threes he got was, you know, he made a pass, made a really good cut, came around the side and, and got a wide open three. But, you know, there's other possessions where, you know, guys stand for 20 seconds and don't move. And so um, I think that's one way to combat that. I think they have to get movement, get guys cutting toward the basket because they're not going to get uh, one. I'm not sure there are got a lot of guys left on the on the healthy roster that you want to get open threes. And those are going to be really hard to come by. And they're not going to be able to just dump the ball inside because people are completely backing off of whoever's making the entry pass unless it's Robert Johnson. So, you know, Ryan, you said something that, that I've been thinking about since you said it, and you talked about how this team is rudderless, and that's a term that we have used several times this year. And when that is the case, and when there is a lack of internal leadership, and when you have injuries and maybe you have to adjust, that's where it really falls on the coach to be the rudder. And I think 
don't we need to expect a little bit more? And, and, and the reason I'm asking you this is I know, you know, especially after the mission game, you went in on the players that they need to be ready to play. And you're right about that. But I, I, I see a team that seems to me to be lacking some confidence in what they're doing and to not really seem to have a coherent plan or to understand what they're supposed to be doing out there and that there don't seem to be, you know, some of the smart adjustments in the game. I mean, don't we need more out of Tom Crean and his staff right now to put these guys in a better position to succeed than what we saw tonight? No, oh, absolutely. I don't think that's there's any question about that. I think that people misunderstood, and I heard from people this week who misunderstood what I was saying about, uh, you know, the players. They were saying, you're just blaming it all on the players for the Michigan game. No, that's not what I was saying. What I was saying is everybody's blaming the coach. Let's remember that this is a team, and when you talk about a team, it includes the players, it includes the coaching staff, it includes everybody associated, and those players needed, they need some internal leadership. I mean, you need leadership from your coaching staff. Obviously, that there's no question about that. That goes without saying. But you also need leadership on the team, on the floor. When things are going poorly, somebody needs to step up, make a play, and then get everybody else involved and hold other guys accountable when things go wrong. Um, as far as Coach Crean goes right now, I mean, this is, you know, this is going to be the test for him. It's going to be a huge test to see whether or not he can actually get this team going. I mean, last year we saw after an, some injury issues and, and a terrible stretch, he got them together and got them and changed what he was doing and uh, and altered the approach and got things going the right way and, and and won a Big Ten title. Now, look, a Big Ten title looks like it's out of reach at this point, uh, You know, just where you're sitting in the season. I hate to break that to Indiana fans. I know, uh, breaking news here, Indiana is not going to win the Big Ten title this year. Um, but there's still a lot to play for out there. Uh, this team is talented enough that if it gets on a roll, it can make a run in the NCAA tournament. The problem is getting that talent to work and, and be a cohesive unit. And so far, the coaching staff has failed to do that consistently. I don't know what it's going to take. I mean, I don't know. Is it going to take switching to a Syracuse 3-2 zone or 2-3 zone? Is it going to, you know, I mean, I don't know what you're going to do. I don't know. But you've got to do something and something different because whatever is going he, going on here is not working offensively yeah you lose a guy who can drop 30 on any night it's gonna be a mess for a while i get it but it, it, you can't be that lost you just can't you're not gonna plug somebody in and have them replace oj and Anobi. you're not gonna plug somebody in and have them re replace james blackman jr but you have guys that are talented enough to make a difference and they're not making a difference right now and, and so this team needs to find something over the next few days um, because a loss at home against Penn State and the season's over. I mean, as far as, you know, any hope for anything positive, that that's it. So this team from the juniors down to the freshmen, because there are no seniors, uh, need to need to find something and they need to find something that they can they can all grow around and build from. And right now it, that is not on the horizon whatsoever. Andy, uh, is, is Indiana gonna in the field right now? Do you think if you when you put your brackets together, are they yeah, still hanging on? Yeah, I I would think so. I mean, they're still, you know, the the problem is they have a I think they already had or or maybe now have a losing record against the top two hundred teams in the RPI. So that doesn't certainly help. I mean, what does help is obviously two top ten level wins and and the fact that um, the NCAA has gone away from the the you know, last. 10, 12 games, um, which is a positive. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, if they continue to have injury woes and, and any word would come out that Blackman's out for a significant period of time, then you're going to get evaluated on the roster that you have remaining, uh, which, as we saw tonight, was not, uh, was not a, a pretty sight. By the way, updated on that, I am seeing Alex McCarthy tweeted, Crean says they're hopeful Blackman will be back soon. So, look, whenever we hear of an indefinite length of ab absence for a guy with injury with Indiana, that has typically meant out for the season. But in this case, it looks like it might not be that bad. So, hallelujah. Uh, I, and look, I, I think that, I, I mean, I, I agree that's good news. I, I really think, and you mentioned something about this with Juwan Morgan on, in the second half on Twitter. I mean, they, they need to figure out a way to get that guy healthy. I, I thought at a certain point tonight, they weren't going to come back in the game you know, give him the rest that he needs to really get healthy. And I hope they do the same for Blackman. I'm not advocating to just not play him to, uh, you know, people are going to say, Oh, Kareem just wants the excuse of the injuries. Like that's also not my point in saying that, but um, at some point I, I can appreciate the desire for the, these kids to play through this, even Blackman the other night, you know, kind of played, you know, the whole second half after, after sustaining the injury, you know, just want to make sure that, um, you know, these kids are, you know, put in the best position for their, 
future and everything else. And I'm not saying that Indiana is not taking the right care of them and, and all those kinds of things. But y- you see a guy like Morgan, who's clearly like, you know, just trying to gut it out. And, and you'd just love to see him be able to get healthy. But can also yeah, appreciate I- the fact that I have no idea who in the hell else you would play if any more guys were not going to be in there. So it's a it's definitely a, a quandary for, for everybody. But I, I'm just curious to understand, you know, once they understand where Blackman is, what's going on with the season, um, it might be a, a, an interesting and more difficult decision than than maybe it seems at the moment. Yeah, no, I would agree with Andy. I think that, you know, watching Jawan Morgan try and play the last two games has been painful to watch because he's clearly not there. And it's better that he goes away and gets 100%. I mean, we need him. Don't get me wrong. We need a, the good Jawan Morgan. Um, but it's better than having him keep coming back and re-injuring it or continuing to, you know, play it you know, 60%, uh, it's better to just get him to a hundred because he's, he's a guy who can help you win games when he's at a hundred percent, when he's at 60%. I don't know if he can do that. Uh, you know, it's better to have him than not, but it's better to have him at a hundred percent than anything. No, there's no question. You know, and, and I just, there was a play in the second half early in the second half when he's going up for a rebound and he took all kinds of contact. And I just, every time he's close to contact, I get terrified, you know, because just, he's been a guy who who's had injuries and not, you know, some of them have been freak injuries. You know, the shoulder thing was obviously a chronic issue until he got that uh, corrected with the surgery. But I agree. I, I even tweeted out at one point, why is he in the game? And of course, he proceeded to get two monster rebounds on the next on the next couple possessions. So he was certainly he was certainly able to do some things out there. But just think back to the Rutgers game when he's taking guys off the dribble from the top of the key and he had you know three blocks and like a four possession sequence. We're not seeing that from him right now. And he's actually looking silly at times on defense because he just it's like he knows where he wants to be and he can't get his body there quick enough. And that's where I think, you know, we know what he's capable of and we just want to see these guys healthy. Um, And, you know, it's tough because we just need bodies out there to play right now. So it's not that there's not an easy solution to that one. Um, By the way, real quick, I do want to say there was a bit of good news this week for Indiana basketball fans, and that is uh, Yogi Ferrell getting picked up by the Dallas Mavericks. And they're playing right now against the Spurs. I think he started tonight. Uh, he and, And he has at least seven assists. And what's amazing about that, I number one, I live in Dallas. So I've been just wanting this to happen so bad so that he's here playing in Dallas and uh and what's amazing about that is Rick Carlisle typically hates rookies like he never wants to play rookies now the Mavericks aren't very good this year so they're kind of playing toward the future but I saw a comment where he said Yogi Ferrell basically picks stuff up faster than any rookie he's ever seen which is I mean Rick Carlisle does not suffer fools and will not He's he's not prone to like overpraising or hyperbole or anything. If 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 he's anything, he's the other end of that. So for Yogi to get that kind of uh, of credit and to play like he is tonight, uh, really really great to see. And I think that is a great spot for him with an excellent coach. You know, who gets obviously play with a guy like Dirk. I really hope he sticks because that could be a great spot for him long term. Hey, uh, yeah, he had uh, yeah he had nine points, seven assists, zero turnovers in like 35, 36 minutes. Hit a couple free minutes. throws. Hit a couple free throws at the end to uh, to ice it. They won by four. Beat the Way Spurs. to go, Yogi! That's awesome. Yeah, and congrats to uh, to Doc and the whole Farrell family. That's awesome that he got picked up, put right into the starting lineup, and and played. Hey, does he have any eligibility left? I'm just yeah, checking. Unfortunately, I'm asking, unfortunately I'm asking, this recent <laughs> development lessens the chance that we can get him back for. A few I'm days. asking. I'm asking for a friend who was inquiring. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, if only. Oh, if only. Uh, all right. Coming up on the assembly call here as we wrap up, uh, we will get to our last call. Take a quick look ahead uh, to Penn State. Um, but our last call, speaking of yogis, is brought to you by our friends at Yogi's Bar and Grill in Bloomington. Uh, and in case you haven't heard in our last few shows, Yogi's is offering a food discount to assembly call listeners during IU games. Uh, Michael, you guys have talked about possibly doing like some kind of meetup or like watch party there for one of these games. Um, so if... Something, still think, yeah. Still thinking I mean, about that? Oh, yeah, we're still thinking about it. We're definitely in the planning stages, but absolutely. I mean, yeah, we'd, we'd love to We'd love to see if we can get anything going. So we'll be on the lookout for that. Okay, so yes, if that happens, we'll announce it, let you guys know in an email. But that'd be kind of cool because when you go there and watch a game, either home or away, you get 10% off your food. Now, it has to be during a game, but again, either a home or away game, 10% off your food, and then stick around after, have a drink, because the assembly call plays live at Yogi's, and we'd love to have you watch us right there. So again, that's 10% off your food at Yogi's during IU games. Just tell them the assembly call sent you. And hi to everyone at Yogi's. That's Hey, everyone at Yogi's. 
All righty. Well, you are listening to the Assembly Call IU Post Game Show. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms, Ryan Phillips, Michael Dugan, and we are breaking down Indiana's 68 to 55 loss to Northwestern. You know, unfortunately, we don't have a lot of answers right now, and it, it feels like Indiana doesn't have a lot of answers right now. But answers are what the Hoosiers need, and they need them fast because Indiana's sitting at four and five in the Big Ten. They still have you know those good wins anchoring their NCAA tournament resume to where I know it feels like you know, just making the NIT right now would be some great accomplishment with how the team has played lately. But the NCAA tournament is out there if this team can right itself and get going. And there is talent there. There are guys who are highly recruited, who have shown themselves at a college level. But as Ryan has said, you know, they've got to be able to find a way, some leadership, a rudder, something for that talent to be able to shine and to be able to win games, uh, you know, against good competition, which is what they'll need to do to impress the NCAA tournament committee. Um, Andy, the Hoosiers face Penn State on Wednesday. It's certainly a an absolutely necessary win. They have to get this at home just to stay alive at all. Um, but is this just kind of one of those, you better just get it because not getting it would be devastating? Um, th there's not actually anything to be gained really from this one, is there? Yeah, I would I would tend to agree. I mean, I think the important thing when you look at IU coming up is they've got three of their next four games at home and you got to make some hay in those games one way or another because then they end with four or five on the road. So uh, if things start to if things continue on the, the current trajectory over these next few games when you're playing at home where this team has been so successful, um, it, it starts to it, it, it can get away from you pretty fast at that point. And so I think that's why. You know, starting with this game, th things get really important because Wisconsin and Purdue, the next two games after that are, uh, you know, I, although Purdue did lose to, at Nebraska tonight, certainly a game they'll uh, they'll be up for. And, and I think arguably the two best, if not two of the three best uh, teams in the league coming up after this one. So to lose that, lose to Penn State, things have a, a chance to really go even further off the swivel than they already are right now. Michael, are you going to be at that game? I am not. I will not be there. You don't have tickets for that one? Unfortunately, no. All right. Well, hopefully the students are there. Go crazy. You know, th this is not the time. Yes, this is the time to be frustrated and disappointed and all of that. But these are, these are the moments when, you know, a team needs its fans the most. It's really, really easy to support a team, to be there, to cheer loudly when everything's going well and you're playing North Carolina and you're winning. But this team needs the support of its fans right now. So, you know, I really hope everybody shows up and that's a really great atmosphere for these guys because we need to win these home games and these guys need to build some confidence. And we know how much it can help having a raucous Simon Scott Assembly Hall there just to rattle the other team, help our guys get some confidence. I really hope that we see that. Um, you know, we, we've got to get as much out of the rest of this season as we can. Players, fans, everybody. So, you know, that that's uh, that, that's our call to action for everybody who who still needs to be supporting this basketball team. All right, guys, let's get to last call here. Brought to us by Yogi's. Michael, you first. Last call. I mean, you know, going back to what I said at first when we first opened the show, I mean, there's there's really no there's really nothing to sugarcoat right now. I mean, this is a team in Indiana that is facing an identity crisis and. They're a team that the past four years they've been centered around Yogi Ferrell and he, he's grown and taken a major step each year. And, you know, now that he's gone and especially that he left that big gap in the point guard role, Josh Newkirk, you know, bless his heart, Ryan, you've talked about this for the past couple of games. He's playing his heart out. You know, some of these games, it's just not showing up in the stat sheet, but he's playing well. But, you know, something's just not clicking with him. So I think that this team, especially when you compare it to last year, there's no swagger there. There's a lack of pride. Um, and they're facing an identity crisis. And I think that looking on the more positive side, with the way Thomas Bryant played tonight, they can certainly piggyback off of that against Penn State uh, and ride to a win against what's hopefully a raucous crowd, like you said, Jared. Um, and then they've got Wisconsin and Purdue, who right now are toward the top of the Big Ten standings. Purdue took a tumble tonight. But, uh, I mean, those are two very tough games. And obviously the Purdue game is going to be a great crowd and a great atmosphere, but I mean, if, 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 if Indiana wants to have any hope of, of getting in on Selection Sunday, they've got to win two of the next three. I, there's just no more room for error. And I think it's going to start, especially with the injuries, with, with riding off that momentum that Thomas Bryant has going for him right now because there's really no one else that, that's playing consistent or really had a good game the past two games that, that can build off of something. Boy, two out of the next three sounds really good right now. Ryan, last call. Uh, I, I'm just going to echo what I've been saying all night pretty much like a broken record uh and right now i guess you could call me a broken fan uh you know i think that uh 
this team just needs to find something to build on and it needs to and whether that's Thomas Bryant in the paint kicking it out to Robert Johnson and, and you rely on that for the rest of the season and maybe some increased energy on defense. I mean, it's got to be baby steps for this team. I've been I've been calling for it for weeks. This team needs to simplify everything uh, and, and try and find some positives to build on. Um, and it needs leadership. And those, if, if it can find those two things, hey, anything's possible. Um, We've seen teams struggle, talented teams struggle, and then get it together and make runs before. Uh, this team needs to do that uh, because it's too talented to to miss out on its ceiling. Um, now, obviously, the ceiling isn't as high with some of the guys who were out, um, but this team is still fully capable of of becoming, you know, something special. And and it's just not playing like it right now. And that's on the players. It's on the coaches. It's on everybody. It's on the fans. I mean, if you're at that game against Penn State, you better be lifting that team. Uh, these kids, as we said, they're good kids. They're trying. They just are lost, and they need help, and, and the crowd needs to help them. Um, everybody needs to help them, the coaches, everybody. And, and so right now, uh, as fans, however disappointing it is, we need to be there for this team because it's not going anywhere without us. Um, these guys are not going to turn anything around without our help. They're not going to turn anything around without the coaching staff's help. Uh, so if you're at that game against Penn State, you're going to be at that Purdue game. You're going to be in the arena at all for the rest of the season. You need to lift this team because there's nothing worse than going to a game and having your team lose. Uh, and so they need your help to, to lift them, and they're going to need all the help they can get. Yep. Andy, last call. Uh, you know, I just want to, you know, I, I would echo a lot of what Ryan said, um, you know, just to, you know, just when you thought things couldn't get any lower, I'm having to agree with Ryan. This is, this is depressing, but, um, no, I think, I, I, you know, I, at least I he's think, not choking you right now. Sure. Well, that's, yeah, I'm sure he would if he was, if he was sitting here in my basement. Um, no, I think it, they just need to need a few things to go. Well, get back to having some fun, simplify things, get back to having some fun. These guys don't look like they're having any fun. They're not a lot of fun to watch right now, to be honest. Uh, and, and it can't be fun to feel the way that these guys are uh, right now. And they've got to figure out something that's going to help break them out of it, whether that's a, you know, a big play, the crowd, whatever that might be. Uh, they've got to simplify things. They're just overthinking everything right now. And uh, and you can kind of see it as you go out there. And it's certainly easy to do. You've got guys being asked to take on more of a load than they may be comfortable with and, and everything else, but they've got to find a way to get this, this next game and, and take it a game at a time and figure out how they, uh, how they just get through it because there, a lot of the other games might not matter a whole lot if they can't find a way to win on Wednesday. So take it one game, get through that game, get back to 500 in the big 10, see if people can get healthy and, and go from there. I think is, is the big one. They, they can't focus more on the recent losses, the schedule ahead that, that gets tougher. Um, just got to find a way to win one game on Wednesday night. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I echo that too. You know, I know everybody wants to have big picture conversations and all of that. We see that and and, and we're, we want to have those conversations too at the end of the season, which is when the proper time is for them. But right now for this program, all there is is the next game, which is a big cliche, but it, it, it is so true for the rest of the season. I mean, Indiana needs to go into this game Wednesday night, lay it all on the line, team, coaches, fans, everybody, and pull out a win try to get something positive going, something to build on as they prepare for a really tough stretch to end. And, you know, it's not like this team is down now to playing all walk-ons or they got to start the game with four guys. Like it is fair to expect this team to come out and play good basketball. And it is fair to be disappointed when this team comes out and doesn't play good basketball. That's fine. You know, we would never tell anybody not to be disappointed, not to be frustrated. We feel exactly the same way. You've probably gotten that feeling uh, from the show. Um, you know, but uh, as with the guy who asked me if I've ever turned a game off um, or, or just some of the apathy that can set in in moments like this let's fight against that because you know in college sports especially you know fans make a difference and we've seen so many wins at simon scott assembly hall where fans have made a difference and so let's let's do our part hopefully the players do their part and the coaches do their part and, and we can go out and get a win on uh, on wednesday night keep this season going and again just find something positive to build on uh, it happened against Michigan State. Unfortunately, this week, it didn't happen to really disappointing losses uh, where Indiana really didn't even have, have any chance uh, you know, to win late in those games. Uh, but hopefully Wednesday is that chance and we can get something going. And we will be here for you after the game, win or lose, to break it all down. We hope that you will join us uh, here on the Assembly Call IU Post Game Show. That game against Penn State is Wednesday night. It's an early tip. It's 6.30 Eastern time against Penn State. 
uh so which is nice i know it's uh maybe not as great for you on the west coast but it's much better for those of us in the east coast and central time zone so uh so yeah so we will talk to y'all after iu penn state have a great couple of days stay strong let's keep supporting our hoosiers uh and we will talk to you then. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tonight's Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player client. IBM Cloud offers millions of different server configurations with 20 terabytes of bandwidth cost-free. Get the compute power you need and deploy on demand, but at prices set for smart cost management. Visit ibm.biz slash servers to customize your server today. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader, like that car riding right your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on AutoTrader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.